All right. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us. My name is Owen Higgins. This is Flashpoint Podcast. Uh, kind of an impromptu episode uh, today. Um, just like a lot of stuff to get to, so I thought that we could just do kind of an open phone lines call-in uh, episode. I know that we already have Aaron uh, uh, Narav, um ready to jump in, and so I think that We'll probably start uh, with with that topic, but uh, just so you guys know, like I think I think we're going to talk about a couple things here. Uh, we're going to talk about the Nomiki Cons, Chris and Gonzalez race, uh, Brittany Griner's sentencing. Oh, Nara, Aaron can't talk today. You are in the caller queue, so I'm going to remove you from that. Um, uh, uh, the Brittany Griner's sentencing, the Brianna Taylor charges, uh, and more. Um, if if Aaron can't talk, I think what we're going to do instead is we'll probably start with the uh, the two bigger news topics, uh, which are the Griner sentencing and the Brianna Taylor charges. Uh, both of these kind of just broke. Um, I'm going to go over here uh, to Newsbolt. Uh, Aaron Thorpe is is in line. I'm going to get you in one sec here, Aaron. Um, so uh, both of these things kind of happened within like the last uh, two hours, probably. Uh, we saw uh, four former and current officers uh, charged uh, in the Louisville Metro Police. Um, it, that's the 2020 raid on Breonna Taylor's apartment that ended up killing her uh, and I believe uh, wounding uh, her boyfriend uh, at the time. Uh, just a really horrible, horrible thing that happened. Uh, and, you know, it, it was kind of like a... a a clarion cry, I guess, of, of the Black Lives Matter movement in the 2020, uh, kind of that whole political moment. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing people like, you know, re- remember Breonna Taylor up on their social media as kind of like a way of expressing solidarity. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is kind of a big deal. This is something that I didn't think was going to happen. Uh, but they are uh, facing charges now and uh, federal charges. Uh, Garland announced that. So uh, let me go ahead and play um, the, the the clip here of Garland just announcing this, um, and then uh, we'll take Aaron uh, to talk about. I assume to talk about that, and to maybe we can talk a little bit about the Brittany Griner uh, sentencing as well. So uh, this is Merrick Garland today, um, I believe, around like eleven uh, ten or eleven a.m. Earlier today, I spoke with the family of Brianna Taylor. This morning, they were informed that the Justice Department has charged four current and former Louisville Metro Police Department officers with federal crimes related to Ms. Taylor's death. Those alleged crimes include civil rights offenses, unlawful conspiracies, unconstitutional use of force, and obstruction offenses. The four defendants were charged through two separate indictments and one information. I'm going to begin today by discussing the civil rights offenses that stem from the falsification of a search warrant. We allege that these offenses resulted in Ms. Taylor's death. All right. Uh, so, so that's uh, Garland's intro, anyway, to uh, to the charges. Um, I think I'll just take Aaron here, just to kind of you know get the uh, get your perspective on this. Um, so, like I said, you know, like this has been this has been brewing, I think, for. Maybe, uh, you know, almost two years at this point, uh, people have been pretty angry about this. So, Aaron, what do you think? And how's it going today? Well, it's going good, man. And, um, you know, I mean, 
When I saw the news, I was surprised. I think like everybody was because, um, I mean, usually in these cases, um, you know, even the Justice Department um, doesn't bring any charges, you know. Um, I'm trying to think about the last time something like this happened. Um, and I mean, I mean, anyway, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do remember after um, Mike Brown, I do remember there was like a Justice Department investigation into um, Ferguson, you know, and into like, uh, you know, the practices that the police were doing. I mean, basically just like kind of predatory, like kind of finding people and harassing people and that and whatnot. But um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm surprised. And I, I mean, I got to say, even someone like me, it's like, you know, um, completely cynical and distrustful of like, the U.S. government is all its institutions. I mean, you know, you got to admit that you, you you would like to see something like this happen more often. And it's a shame that it doesn't. And um, I guess my concern, because I'm always the guy that says, OK, this is this is good. But, you know, the fallout from this, um, you know, I just want to know if it's going to change any police practices, uh, practice, uh, the police practices in, in the city. Right. Or across the country. And I doubt that's going to happen. Um, I've correct me if I'm wrong, too, but I think no knock warrants. Um, were, um, I think no knock warrants, I think after, um, Breonna Taylor's killing murder, um, I guess they were like lifted, you know, you couldn't do them anymore unless there were like extreme circumstances or certain circumstances. But I mean, this is something that like happens all the time, right? Um, not to derail too much, but I mean, when Eric Garner was murdered in New York, um, the, the chokehold was already banned by, by the NYPD couldn't do a chokehold. Right. And he still ended up being killed through a chokehold. So it's like, what kinds of, you know, the word reform, I guess, but that's the only thing I have to say here, right? Um, abolition is obviously what I think we'd all want, but what reforms are going to be made in response to this? And I don't think there are going to be any, but at the same time, um, you know, Frank, be frank with my language. It's, it's good to see these fucking pigs go to jail, right? Hopefully, hopefully uh, go to jail, right? Or hopefully um, or least, face some least, repercussions, right? Yeah, at least face charges. I mean, I think, I think that's, yeah. Aaron, if you want to uh, stay on for a second here, but, I, you know, I think that that's a really... That's a good point because, um, uh, as as far as like what will actually change, well, like like you're right, like um, you know they 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 may have done away with um, no knock warrants, uh, but I'm pretty sure they didn't have them uh, in Minneapolis when Amir Locke was killed in a no knock warrant raid. Like like the police are pretty, uh, I would say, kind of emboldened. Like like they're basically allowed to do whatever they want. They face no real uh, consequences for their actions. Obviously, this Breonna Taylor situation, um, this you know her her murder. Uh, there was a lot of uh, political um, will behind behind mm -hmm. these charges. There was a lot of stuff going on politically. Like there was a, there was a big push uh, to get these charges uh, filed and to, and to you know have have something be done. Especially you know with mm -hmm. with it going on in 2020 and, and then Biden kind of riding that wave of, of activist anger, uh, to the white house. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I gotta wonder if it's actually going to ultimately change anything, you know, mm -hmm. especially given what we have seen. Um, Absolutely. and, and, you know, like the fact that they're just trying to give cops more and more money. Um, how do, what, what do you think about that kind of like that, 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 those two kind of competing impulses there, like trying to give cops more money on the one hand and then charging them from the DOJ. I understand they're different parts of the government, um, mm -hmm. but it does seem to send a bit of a mixed message, right? And, and, man, it's like, it's like um, Derek Chauvin, right? It's like you had to give up one of these pigs, right? 
because people were so incensed and outraged that I mean, you know, maybe I'm speaking a bit too um, optimistic, well, highly, I guess, of, I mean, no, the protests were a big fucking deal. I mean, for the first time, a lot of people in this country were able to see, sort of peer through the cracks and see the contradictions for what they were, right? So they had to sacrifice this guy, right, in order to legitimize the system. And this is the same fucking case, right? On the one hand, it's like, yeah, this was so heinous and it made people so upset. And Breonna Taylor's death, especially along with George Floyd, and I mean, so many other people that like, I can't even keep them all in, in my head. Like, yes, they were the impetus, right, for, you know, the protest that we saw two years ago, right? But at the same time, you know, it is very much like, I mean, the, the state finds a way to reify itself and reassert itself, right? And it can handle those contradictions because we all, I mean, not we all, I don't want to say we here, right, and anyone in the chat, but I think that just generally in America, I mean, like, what are you going to do? You're going to abolish cops? I mean, even people that say we should defund won't go as far as abolition, right? So well, there's some always of them will. some. Like, some of like, them. Uh, you know, Maryam uh, had that um, uh, essay in the New York Times where she said, "Yes, like that's what we mean." So like people that's, do talk about it. People do talk about it, and it's it's. It, I think it's very much like a lot of those people that are well intentioned. I think that's the end goal, right, of defund. But like I was saying, at the same time, it's like. You got to legitimize the system, right? And I mean, it has to keep not even just legitimize. I mean, it, I don't even think it's so much a conscious. It is a conscious decision to give the cops more money. But what I mean to say, I guess it's like almost automated where there are just functions in this fucking state that just like, I mean, just automatically respond and react to things. Right. And I mean, yeah, sure. Like, you know, Merrick Garland is going to charge these officers. But at the same time. Biden can get on TV and talk about, like, we need to get more money to cops, right? Or he can say that, right? And there's no sort of, if if we know and have seen repeated, uh, like, just like, mis not even just misconduct, I mean, straight up murdering people, right, um, from police officers, but it's not systemic because it's always individualized, right? It's not a systemic issue. It's just a few bad apples. But then they never finish the rest of the phrase, right? A few bad apples, like, ruins the fucking bunch, right? So... It's this individualization, this legitimization, and, I mean, it kind of just reinforces the idea that, like, we need police. And, sure, the system is not perfect, but what would we, what would we do otherwise? Abolish all cops? Then it'll be anarchy. So, again, you know, I'm rambling, but, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised, you know, but I'm just a little bit cynical, right, about if this is actually going to change anything and prevent more people from getting killed by cops in no-knock warrants or... In any, I mean, in a, at a, uh, uh, like, just getting stopped in your car or any situation that, I mean, yeah, for Black Americans is like, you know, it's like, I mean, I don't know how else to say it, man. It's like, it's like kind of like always having to look over your shoulder, and this doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon, right? Especially for like the most vulnerable people in our country, you know. So. No, no, uh, and it has, and, th and thank you for Aaron for that, Aaron, and stick around too because. Um, Going to definitely uh, uh, well hope to have your perspective uh, when when we talk about the cons, uh, Gonzalez campaign a little bit, but um, yeah, I think I mean that's that's an invaluable perspective, and I think that obviously uh, like this is not this is not even like a problem that like just started happening. This has been going on for uh, definitely for uh, as as long as I've been alive and and much longer. Uh, just before we get to Edu here. Um, uh, Mike in the chat says, let's say reforms happen. The follow-up, how do reforms even get enforced, even if reforms go into effect either at state or national levels with law enforcement? Um, I mean, yeah, like that's that's kind of the thing. There is a lot of impunity, I think, on the part of the police, knowing that 
there probably won't be any consequences to speak of, um, and and that they uh, are just, uh, you know, like like if there's if there is a charge like this, that that that's going to be like the exception that proves the rule, and they'll continue to get away with it. So, um, sorry if that's a bit of a downer, but uh, I don't think that uh, that perspective is probably any surprise to anybody who's listening. Uh, Edu, uh, go ahead. Uh, you're up. Go ahead and unmute yourself down there on the bottom right. Hello. Yes. Hi. Sorry. Yeah, you're good, you're good. It's Go on ahead. the app. It's somewhere to some other page. Um, yes. Uh, so you know, I see that as one of the topics that people are talking about different things. Um, you know, because they're interested in you know, and so all sorts of things happening in the country at the moment. Um, one thing that um, on the race of the Nomiki comes, I um, I think this race for me has made me reflect a bit, and I want I was I wanted to get your input, uh, Owen, on the um, you know how like she's Nomiki's campaign uses tactics that the establishment used against Bernie. You know, sort of like the whole Bernie bro like smear attacks, you know, trying to portray Bernie supporters as like um, hostiles uh, towards, you know, like Hillary. And, uh, you know, like she's just using that those tactics against uh, the, um, you know, the Christian Gonzalez campaign. Um, but uh, I was also wondering whether, you know, during the force of vote, some similar tactics happened to um, the people, the proponents of force of vote. And, um, you know, parallel, you know, to what's happening now. And history has shown, you know, that, you know, the Bernie's camp, Bernie was right in 2016. Um, right now we can see that Christian Gonzalez, you know, is like trying to carry out like this clean campaign. And, you know, she's the one that is going to like push for the progressive agenda. And I was wondering whether, you know, and also the force of vote. You know, we have seen that, like, forcing a vote on Medicare for All was the right tactic. Um, so I was wondering whether... I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't agree with that, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, we have we seen any change whatsoever? Like, what what other, like, has, like, the whatever parliamentary procedure, like, work its way, its magic way to deliver any major progressive uh, legislation at the moment? I mean, we don't have minimum wage. To a fifteen dollar minimum wage, we don't have. Yeah, any I, guess, I guess I'm just confused, like where like a kind of uh, haphazard, poorly thought out tactic, uh, but basically about getting people bigger podcast audiences would have helped with that. But I think it is an important thing to uh, to talk about the no Mickey const um, tactics here. So uh, what Edu is is referring to here, and and this is um, I agree that this is similar. Uh, to the Sanders campaign, um, which uh, because these are both actual political things uh, as opposed to the other thing. Um, but so let's let's listen. So this is um, during a debate um, that I believe was earlier this week, um, and uh, the candidates who, uh, were all asked like what question you would ask of um, of your opponents, and uh, Gonzalez asked Crowley, her her opponent Elizabeth Crowley. Um, you know, uh, about, I, I believe it was about bail reform. I might be wrong about that, though, um, and I'm sure somebody can correct me in the chat. Um, uh, Crowley asked uh, uh, Nomiki Konst, um, you know, uh, about how great um, 
her efforts to get women elected were. Um, and then this is what uh, uh, Nomiki did, which is to so she's been kind of making these accusations of um, intimidation and, and, and abuse against the Gonzalez campaign. Um, and now she has a um, a pledge, I think, that she wants them to sign. So anyway, so here's here's the interaction it starts with Nomiki, then it goes uh, to Kristen. Uh, also, the, you'll hear the moderator in there a little bit. But there is a little bit of back and forth here. This is about two minutes. Uh, just, but it's important to listen to just for a little bit of context, and, and, and we'll talk on the other side here. We've all realized that we have to get the issues uh, clear, and we can't be distracted by um, any noise and drama. And so, Kristen, I ask you, uh, all of us signed a clean campaign pledge. Uh, why have you not signed it? You know, this clean campaign pledge uh, talks about attacking other opponents online. It talks about bot armies. It talks about calling out your supporters when they do things. It talks about not harassing people who've endorsed your campaign. There's a long list. You received it. A reporter gave it to you. And I just wonder, why is it you have not signed this clean campaign pledge that everybody else has signed? Yeah, thank you for an opportunity to clarify. I actually have not received the clean campaign pledge. We found out it existed from a reporter and I'll give you exactly the same context that I gave that reporter. We don't condone any bullying and we haven't followed, encouraged any of that language or behavior on our campaign. And as a young woman, as a Latina, as someone who is also uh, running for office, I've seen the hate firsthand and I empathize with any that uh, any of you have, have received. Yeah, I just want to make that clear. Uh, no, we actually never received uh, before. So right. I really do believe, well, no, we did not receive the campaign pledge. But um, but yeah, I, I do, I really appreciate the opportunity. Yes, oh my yeah. gosh. So Absolutely. how much sign it today? Why don't you make sure that she's got a copy and she can decide if she's going to sign it or not and we'll see where that goes. All right, so uh, obviously um, some things to say about this, and then and then we'll take Brian. But um, uh, there, it, it is hard to look at this as anything other than a pretty cynical play uh, to smear and to take down uh, the other progressive candidate in the race. Um, and and look, like that's politics. Like I'm not saying that um, that that shouldn't be expected. Um, and, and obviously, uh, uh, you know, this is subjective, I suppose, but I think that you can tell with the disdain, uh, with which these two are talking to each other, that they don't particularly care for each other too much. Um, I, I think that, uh, my friend Adam Johnson here online, uh, said, uh, the quote, sign my clean campaign pledge, uh, close quote stick is the oldest, most cynical, cheesy ass gambit in politics. It's a dumb gotcha because if you ignore it, you get in this case, incoherently, yelled at if you sign it you concede you needed to and your opponent has the moral authority um uh he he calls it uh, gross and craven uh then says since we've already opened the door to bad faith baby innuendo laden demands for uh pledge signings i strongly suggest gonzalez demand con sign a no spoiler pledge with real-time campaign donor disclosures and i think that i mean that like uh, the core point here uh that that Konst is not running on issues and is really just running on attacks, I think is pretty strong. I, like, I don't really understand like what she's doing here. Um, uh, like what the purpose of the campaign is. We had Aaron Naroff and um, Walker Bragman. Walker was uh, formerly uh, comms uh, director for the Konst campaign. And, uh, you know, we, we had them on for a debate, which was, you know, contentious, but, Ultimately, I think pretty respectful. 
but but you know, really, like all that, um, all that, all the all that Walker was really hammering on as far as policy uh, was COVID policy, and then once we um, and, and 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 Kant seemed like she was interested in that too. She seemed like that was something that she wanted to do as well, um, and then. Uh, you know, since then she hasn't really been talking about it, so uh, I'm not really sure, like, like how that stuff, how that stuff works, um, and uh, so, so yeah, uh, looks like my sound dropped. I don't know, but we'll take Brian here. Brian, uh, how's it going? It's going, man. How are you? I'm doing so- okay. I'm doing okay. So I just I wanted to steer things back to to the the federal charges uh, brought against the uh, cops that murdered Breonna Taylor because I think there's a little bit of history that can be instructive on how this thing can, is going to go. Um, back in in the the heydays back in 1991, a man by the name of Rodney King got severely beaten by the LAPD. And it got recorded and it went viral or the equivalent of viral back then. And while the state charges were acquitted, there was a riot. Then there were federal charges against all four officers who engaged in the violent assault against Mr. King. At that chart, at that trial, basically only two of the officers were actually convicted of any crime. And the judge basically said, accepted the, the defenses, the, the cops version of events and basically said only like the last dozen or so blows with a baton were unlawful. And then basically a couple of years later, you had a, a major scandal um, that served to be the uh, foundation of um, sort of the, the inspiration for the uh, television show, The Shield, um, specifically the Rampart scandal emerged in the late 90s. You know, the fact of the matter is, I mean, I hope to God all f- like I hope to God all four of the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor and tried to frame up her boyfriend the way they did. I hope to God they all end up under the jail. But I ain't holding my breath, and it sure as fuck ain't going to change a goddamn thing about like the role of police in the society. Like we are a society that is completely and utterly, inconceivably addicted to violence, and. And these people are the biggest purveyors of it. And there's genuinely 100% no way that anybody is actually going to challenge them. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, well, that's a pretty bleak way to look at it. But, but, but it's, it's kind of hard to argue. I mean, what do you, like, what do you think is going to, I mean, like, like, do you agree that this, that the charges are like an exception to the rule, but like, and, and, and whether or not anything happens, like, like that's, it's not going to go further. Or do you just think that like nothing's going to happen at all? I think, I think you might see something like, I mean, again, it depends on how serious the prosecution is, right? Like if, if they actually get competent prosecutors like they did in, in, in the Chauvin trial, right? Like the prosecutors are actually on his ass. And, and so they, they put him away. Like, but he ended up essentially becoming sort of, you know, scapegoat, you know, pharmacos, whatever the fucking term you want to use here for all of the sins of, of the Minneapolis Police Department, which are many. 
And so it's easier to just get rid of one and pin behind it and then don't actually do any kind of structural changes to admit that you, like, it isn't just a single bad apple. It's a whole structure that is, like, it's a bad apple making machine. Like, so I think, I think you might see some of these cops go to jail. Like, because again, there's no justification for what they did. Now, there's also a high likelihood and a high probability, I think, that the federal courts figure out some way to soften the blow or it's it's a reduced charges or they plead out or something like that. But like I would not hold my breath as to far as far as anything fucking positive happening. Like it comes right down to and, and this is something Aaron was saying when I hopped on, like it's a structural issue. Like, and the fact of the matter is, as long as, as long as local governments treat their police departments as if, as if they are the superior body to those local governments, nothing is going to change. Like, we don't have local governments in, in, in municipalities with police departments. We have police departments with local governments attached to them. And, and and so long as they continue to have this power, like nothing, and and they have this power basically to to enforce property rights and and make sure that the wealthy stay wealthy. And if anybody gets any ideas about changing that state of affairs outside of like properly determined electoral systems, which by the way are rigged to make sure that you can't actually do that, like there's somebody there to fucking hit you in the head with a nightstick. Like that's like at the end of the day, that's that's the role of the police. They're there to enforce property. They're there to enforce enforce like racial hierarchy as an extension of that. Like one hundred percent, that's why they're there. And so, so long as as this is the underpinning of our system, like nothing is going to change. Like you might see some of the worst abuses like get curbed. Emphasis on might. Yeah, I don't even know about that, though. I mean, because it does go back to what I was talking about with Aaron, right, where there's, like, the there's like the, the, the aspect of it that, um, that that this is, like, a drop in the bucket. Like, Breonna Taylor, like, obviously that was a horrific moment um, and, and a horrific example. But, you know, like, like you're just seeing, um, like, like, you see that kind of stuff happening all the time. And so it's, it's quite... Uh, it's quite distressing that, 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 you know, this, this may be like one example of that, but um, like one example of, of something happening, but, but ultimately it's hard to see like uh, that there, that there could be something more uh, coming down the line, but, but one can always hope. Uh, let's take, let's take Joshua here. Joshua, go ahead. Good morning. Um, so I just I, I shared in the chat uh, there was a Ray memo today. Uh, he's part of the FBI, I guess, and they have 300 teams, what they call intelligence teams, about 3,000 assets that are looking at the worst of the worst. They say here within the country. So that memo drops, you know, is they bring up the Brianna Taylor um, indictments, which I see is you know, let's say I'm not saying they're not linked. I'm not. <laughs> But they, they could be linked to, I don't know. It just seems a little suspect. And, 
And me and people I was associated with rolled out to the streets around George Floyd and around Breonna Taylor. Um, we were not members of the BLM group that got co-opted. Um, we were genuine in our approaches to these issues. And uh, so uh, we want things like this to occur, but is it enough when really their perception of what the worst of the worst is, is still very much skewed. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to get to a question at the end here. So let me just talk about the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst are like Pelosi flying to Taiwan for $90 million and trading in NVIDIA stock to the tune of $5 million. That's corruption. That should be illegal. It's obvious. It's dangerous. Um, we have bioweapons doing chain of custody research. We don't know where, when, why, and who is doing it. And anybody that talks about it is censored at every level. Um, we have Nazis in Ukraine. You talk about it, you are censored. Um, you have Biden's heir and son uh, and his issues and foibles. You have the heirs of many of the considered aristocracy and their issues and foibles that are swept underneath the rug. So do we live in a state of law and order and justice and honor and truth amongst these agencies? Obviously not. Um, and the thing that I wanted to kind of bring up as I looked at this, you know, 300 teams that they're putting out to provide intelligence on who are the worst of the worst within this country is the John Yu memo from years back in Bush Jr., and what it said about if the president acts, it is a legal act because the president does that. Is that still in effect?